Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to Rotoware's NBA Monday DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, as always, Ben Miller. Ben, I'm a little sleepy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I just got off the flight from Atlanta literally two hours ago, okay. and I came here because I am that dedicated to kicking your butt in NBA DFS podcast. I mean, I'm that dedicated to showing everyone how to set together good DFS lineups that I uh, ran right here and put everything together. So can I give a little pat on the back here? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can give you a pat on the back there. Uh, you you do look a little a little rough today. I was going to say something. Uh, um, this it looks is, like maybe like an hour and a half of sleep. Man, you look bad. It was it was a long weekend. <laughs> it was a long weekend of work, esports work in particular. So yeah, uh, yeah so what? I, I don't really care to my have my appearance knocked. But that's fine. We can <laughs> we can just move past that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what was this? What was this tournament you were you're at this weekend? So I was at Call of Duty, uh, a Call of Duty tournament. So it's MLG Atlanta. Two hundred thousand dollars was on the line okay. over the three day wow. competition. Yeah, um, first place got eighty thousand okay. dollars, and this is just like. Uh, small, small money right now because we're gonna have a little later in the year. There's seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars on the line for these okay. tournaments. So, yeah. So I myself, I, I'm definitely not familiar too much with you know this side of things and how like this this production gets put on. Like, what what what's the atmosphere like with something like this? Okay, so there's like 143 teams that are competing at this three day event. Uh, most of them are just like scrub teams that are really trying to get into the scene, try to learn more. But some are professional teams. They have like the jerseys and everything else, and there are beyond tons of lights. Um, we got whole different setups. Like when 143 teams are competing, you have to have a lot of different areas and a lot of different PS4s out there for people to play against. Stages, yeah. Or... So there's like a main stage, and then there's side stages, and then there's even smaller side stages just for like the really up and coming teams to practice and play on. Um, and then on the side, there's uh, different venues that are selling things, so like different controllers for PS4, um, uh, uh, like G Fuel, which is basically an energy drink for gamers, I guess, yeah, yeah. which you can call it. So yeah, they have those kind of things on the side. Um, but the main stage will have, I, I don't I, like, I haven't really been to other things I can compare it to. But if you were at like a rock concert. Okay. Right, so like the lights that are shining down on that, and the seating that you can sit in, you can kind of see, and you're looking up at the stage. That's kind of what it is. And then the players will be sitting on kind of elevated seats. So um, again, kind of more like a rock stagey thing where you're looking up as opposed to okay. looking straight ahead. Yeah. Know? So is it like you know in football and everything like that? You're you're talking trash out there. You right. something goes well. Is this is that something you you get in these these tournaments? Oh, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say like the trash is particularly good, um, but like for this tournament in particular, we had a lot of choke signs come out for okay. this. So um, we were talking a little bit off air before we did the podcast, how these are set up. And you'll have some teams when you're on the main stage, you're kind of next to one another. You're not looking across, but you're next to one another. And in this particular moment, uh, one team got up and gave the choke seam, choke sign to the other team and just looked across and it was like a stare down type of thing. But in other instances, when you're at a, a few of these competitions, they'll be looking across from each other and you'll have people standing up and like oh my god and just getting jacked yeah. and other times they'll just be like yelling incoherent bambling things like ah, and <laughs> i don't i don't understand why yeah because well they'll say it's to get themselves hyped or get the other team not hyped but 
I would at least want to put words in there if I'm going to make really loud noises because you can hear it all across the arena. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, is how big are these things then? Like is this something you expect to go like in more states? Like is this yeah, like yeah. a single state event or is No, no, no. Um so this is my fifth event that I have been to for esports. Uh the last one that I went to was which was probably my favorite was another Call of Duty event um and it was at the Forum, the the iconic Lakers stadium back in the oh, 70s okay. and 80s. Yeah. So they they did that whole stadium and they had um a few of like the the cooler aspects of it like high risers go all the way up to the top of the stadium oh, for this dang, this was yeah. for the world that's, championship that's yeah. yeah so i mean there, this goes it's across huge. everything else esports is absolutely exploding um and call of duty is probably one of the smaller esports in the whole scene so okay. um i mean there's going to be a tournament next week in paris they had one in london 2 weeks ago this is just call of duty so this is worldwide this is everything. yes it's well it's the call of duty world league so okay. yeah. yeah um there was teams from Australia that competed at this event. Um, there are teams from, you know, Europe, uh, specifically Germany and and London, things like that. Yeah, there's it, it's all over the place. And again, like this is one of the smaller ones. So wow, yeah. Um, I know that the Dota Two International, which is probably like the second biggest esport, had eighteen point five million dollar prize pool, or right around there. And there was teams from literally all across the world that were coming to Seattle yeah. to compete at this. And that was wow, like a, that's, a week. Yeah, that's, that's huge. It was pretty crazy. So on, on the scale of tournaments, this is probably one of the smaller ones I've attended. But it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, and there are tons of people that show up to this, like thousands that are, are sitting there and watching these and, and interacting with the, the players and everything like that. So it's just a cool atmosphere to be at. And if you haven't been to an esports event, I, I just encourage everyone to because – my words can't do it justice. I can't. I can't explain it enough to other people as to what's going on. You just have to see it to be there. And yeah, I get, see it to understand. Yeah, even if like you're not well versed in it, it's probably still you know a spectacle word. Yeah, I mean, as long as you understand the game uh, that's being played, yeah. and you don't even have to understand it on a in a super smart level or anything like that. Like, oh, like I got shot. Cool, I got that. I understand Call of Duty. I know what's <laughs> happening. And because the crowd will just get into it, it's just such a, you get swept up in that, and it's such a fun thing to be a part of. Like I said, I I can't describe it. Word, my words don't. Don't do enough justice for these events. If if you are ever considering esports, you, you got to check it out because uh, those those actual events are some of the coolest things you can be a part of. Right on, yeah. All right, well, we'll move past my esports talk for just a little bit. Uh, let's go ahead and break down what we're actually here to talk about today: NBA uh, DFS. So we always start out with the perfect lineup from last night. It was a four game slate, so we, we're kind of been going through a lot of these a little bit. Um, we're talking about some of the smaller smaller teams, smaller going on here. We can see that. There's some trends that we're picking up. So here's the perfect lineup from Sunday. We had point guard Ish Smith going against the Raptors. He had a 4,200 price tag. And point guard Darren Collison going against the Pelicans with a 5,400 price tag. Shooting guard DeMar DeRozan going against the Pistons, 8,800. And then shooting guard Courtney Lee going against the Spurs at 4,300. Andrew Wiggins will round out the perfect lineup for small forward with going against the Bulls at 7,700. And actually Kawhi Leonard, too, rounds out the small forward spot going against the Knicks at 9,600. Um, and then we had Tobias Harris at the power forward spot going against the Raptors at 5,500. Nemanja Bialitis going against the Bulls at 3,500. And Demarcus Cousins going against the Pelicans at 11,100. That's our perfect lineup from Sunday. Uh, you can check that out at the RotoWare optimizer area and kind of click around and find that. Ben, any takeaways from that lineup there? Yeah, Nemanja Bielitsa was actually you know quite the pleasant surprise there. Um, you said that way better than I did. <laughs> I, I, even I, I spelled did it out a, trying to get it better. You just ran through that way better than I did. Fine. I did get a good chuck. Fine, out you of that. win this round, Ben. Pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, he was priced at the minimum salaries, so you know thirty five hundred, but had thirty two Fanduel points, so it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Sixteen points, six rebounds, three assists, two steals. Um, honestly, the most impressive part though, is he did that in just 19 minutes, you know, so that was extremely, you know, efficient there shot like 50% from the floor and three point range, um, easily makes him the most surprising perform- or performance from yesterday, I should say. Um, I think like since I looked back at his, his game log since the start of January. Um, so yeah, the last month and a half, he, he hasn't surpassed the 20 Fanduel. Why would mark. you do that to yourself? I just, just needed to do it. I for the to. love of the podcast, that's <laughs> why, Ben. Exactly. I'm here for you, <laughs> the people. Um, but yeah, no, he only surpassed that once. Um, the 20 Fanduel point mark, I should say, um, since early January. So that was that was one of those things that uh, that definitely jumped out to me right away. Um, otherwise, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins, he had an impressive line. He had seven turnovers, though, and still had 54 Fanduel points. So that could have been even bigger. Um, so that one obviously you know, jumped out at me as well. 
That line, Cousins line at least, reminds me a lot of the Russell Westbrook game. And even though I was doing a lot of esports events during this weekend, I did get a chance to catch at least some of that Warriors-Thunder game. And, I mean, Westbrook ended up putting over 60 FanDuel points that game, which if I was putting together a lineup that night, I probably would have put him in just for the revenge factor. Right, right. Um, yeah, you know he's going off. Yeah, that. but what, like 11 turnovers? That what He could have had such an amazing FanDuel night if he even cut those in half. Yeah. It's, yeah. not, it's something amazing to think about, honestly. For me, the, the perfect lineup takeaway is that there are three guys under 4,500 in this lineup. It just kind of goes to show that you need to be finding value all across the board. This isn't really um, difficult knowledge or um, something that's super hard to understand, honestly. Yeah. But, yeah. but it, it just, again, it's pointing out that even in a four-game slate, there are definitely people that are underpriced that you can – take advantage of them you need to take advantage of if you're trying to cash the big lineup kind of thing so in a 12 game 11 game slate which is what we have been doing for these monday and wednesday podcasts it's a lot easier i think to find that value yeah, yeah. Um, because there are so many more players but at the same time you need to have the correct information for it so taking away what we're learning from these these perfect lineup optimizers is a great thing to do uh, and kind of putting together all right well who's getting a few more minutes this time around you know who's uh who's not playing as much that because it's almost as important to look at who's getting as many points as who is not getting as many points too so yeah and it, yeah it definitely just ref, you know lets you reflect on what kind of strategies work what don't um and where where certain value may come from for sure yeah so i guess we'll talk a little bit more strategy when it comes to monday's nba slate but 11 games going on tonight we have plenty of options to choose from when it comes to higher price guys but let's run through a few of the games well not few but all the games and a, a few of the injuries that are going to be a, a key for putting together your lineup so we start out with the 76ers and uh, i was going to say the bobcats we'll just say the, the charlotte hornets yeah <laughs> throwback they have not been the bobcats for a long time i can't believe i keep doing that in my head but yeah the charlotte hornets starting off at seven o'clock eastern time we have the spurs and pacers at seven o'clock eastern time and then the grizzlies nets go at seven thirty eastern time we have the magic and the Heat, 7.30 Eastern Time, and then the Bucks pistons 8 o'clock Eastern Time, Thunder-Wizards, which is going to be a really interesting point guard battle going on at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. We have the Celtics-Mavericks at 8.30 Eastern Time, Warriors-Nuggets, which is the highest uh, highest expected point total of the night. That starts at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, and then we have the Clippers-Jazz, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, which is definitely not the highest priced <laughs> no, no. <laughs> number of the night. And we have the Pelicans-Suns, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, and then the Hawks and Trailblazers round out the 11-game slate. That kicks off at 10.30 Eastern time. So a whole bunch of notable injuries to kind of go through with this, but we'll we'll kind of go through as fast as we can with it. So starting out with the 76ers and not the Bobcats, uh, (laughs) we have Jaleel Okafor that's going to be held out. We're expecting a trade to come any day. Now, we had discussed that even last week, so I'm surprised that we just haven't seen this trade yet. What do you think the holdup is? Just on a, on a macro level, what do you think this holdup is on the trade? I think I read, I was, I was reading somewhere where they were talking about how two, or someone someone tweeted about how there's two like terrible front office offices that like both wanted Okafor, so they're kind of like driving up the price for him. So I think I think the, the 76ers are actually just trying to wait it out and you know boost his value as much as possible with two teams kind of going back and forth. He and has to be traded before the deadline, right? Right, yeah. There's yeah. no way that he's not traded. I, no, for sure. He's gone. Because it'd be really funny if this blew up in their face and they didn't get to like trade him no at all. Value yeah. From, yeah. <laughs> well, they had to keep him the whole year. Like, that's just an awkward situation. I remember reading a, an article, I think, on ESPN about Brett Brown saying how much he respects Jaleel Okafor and how it's uh, he, he's gained even more respect from throughout this whole process. Yeah. It would just be really uncomfortable if he, if he didn't. Just all of a sudden, he's yeah, stuck He's there. still with the 76ers. <laughs> um, so, I guess, holding out, and we are both hoping for a trade for his sake. Yeah. Uh, Embiid also being out with a knee injury, that means that Nerlens Noel is like to see big minutes he will probably see at the center spot but he's actually listed as a power forward on FanDuel and that's going to be I think a major trend for Monday's slate is that we have a lot of power forward options that could be playing in different roles so we'll kind of have to go over that a little bit more as we go through the podcast um, Ramon Sessions is going to be out with a knee injury four to six weeks he had surgery on that I mean kind of a low-key injury but we could see a few more minutes even from TJ McConnell if well actually sorry not TJ McConnell because I don't think Sessions is on the 76ers but <laughs> yeah I mean again low-key injury with Sessions um, still one to point out and then Cody Zeller will be out with a quad injury that likely means another start for Frank the Tank Kaminsky Wisco Wisco yeah, I know you're happy about that always one. I, love I know you're happy. Frank <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the Spurs and Pacers we know Paul Gasol will be out with his finger injury Jonathan Simmons is probable to play on Sunday but probably not going to play very much on Sunday I'm sorry I'm sorry probable to play Sunday's game but he's 
probably going to play Monday, maybe a little bit of minutes, maybe not. Yeah, he could be limited, especially in his first game back. Not a huge DFS option regardless. And then Thad Young, who I I really like to have in my lineups, especially when you're looking for a guy right around the 55 to 6,000 range. He is a game-time decision, and he's missed the last five games with a wrist injury. Lavoy Allen uh, likely will start if Thaddeus Young can't play. Yeah, Lavoy, I think he's been in about mid to low teens um fando point wise wise for the last few games so i mean there's some upside he had a 39 point showing um earlier in february but since then he's kind of trailed off but i mean there is upside there so it's something to monitor for sure at least going on to the grizzlies and nets game uh, not too many injuries really to note here jeremy lynn is out with the hamstring injury he's been out what seems like for months now and then quincy allen not much of a dfs option anyhow but he's out and he's missed the last three games with an ankle injury the Magic and Heat have a few different injuries to take note of. Aaron Gordon with the foot injury. He's a game-time decision, but he's missed the last two games. Um, Mario, I, Super Mario, I, just, that's, I love calling him that. It's just fun to say Mario Super Hazania? Mario. Yeah, well I, well, I probably couldn't have said his last name anyhow, <laughs> based off of what I was doing earlier today. But yeah, no, Super Mario, he's probably going to take that spot if Aaron Gordon does eventually miss a third straight game. We know a few of the guards for the Heat are also questionable or already out, like Josh Richardson with the ankle injury. He's been out since January 6th, likely to sit out until after the all-star break Dion waiters who have been heating up before his injury game time decision with his ankle injury he's warming up with the intent to play um but i'll still keep an eye on it because I, you know it feels like that can go back and forth and it has been for the last week or so so if you're looking at Dion waiters as an option going against a well pretty easy magic defense definitely make sure to check his injury stats prior to game time yeah and he's a 630 game so close to that first slot so hopefully we can get you know a ruling before lineups lock 7.30 Eastern time, though, right? Uh, yeah, so, so yeah. Yeah, so 7.30 still, Eastern yeah. time. Um, and then we have the Pistons-Bucks, really the only injury to note is a sad one. Um, we haven't had a chance to discuss it yet, but the Jabari Parker injury, he's out for the season with a knee. I think that really, really, really hurts the team. Um, I think Jabari was definitely blossoming into one of the better all-around players in the NBA, and I think this now really sets the franchise actually back a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a huge blow. He was playing so well. And the worst part of it is, like, I, I get that we lose him for the rest of this season, but, I mean, that goes well into next season Absolutely. as well. So um, that's going to be tough. We're, you know, we, us Bucks fans had some hope for next year with Middleton, yeah. Parker, everyone at full strength, um, potentially some cap openings if we get rid of some more guys here and uh, maybe make another splash free agent signing. But, um, yeah, that, that one hurts. Yeah. Uh, only real n- injury to note for the Thunder and Wizards game as Canner out with the forearm injury, uh, thanks to punching a chair. Still one of the best injuries that I have <laughs> thought about or talked about uh, this year and probably years past, too. I think this is definitely up there. Um, the Boston Celtics-Mavericks game actually has quite a few injuries to watch out for. Avery Brad, at, I'm sorry, Avery Bradley with his Achilles injury will be out for his 13th straight game. He's expected to be out till after the All-Star break, so this isn't really come as much a surprise. However, Jalen Brown, who had been filling in some of the line, uh, some of the minutes with Bradley out, Bradley out uh, will also be out with a hip injury. He strained his hip during Saturday's game. He'll probably play after the All-Star break as well. So Celtics definitely limited in, in the, the guard spot there. We'll kind of see how they work in developing that. Uh, Jay Crowder, who missed last game with a one-game absence, he'll, he'll play. We don't really know why. It was kind of a personal reason, but Jay Crowder will be out there. And Gerald Green with an illness. He's a game-time decision. He could see a decent amount of minutes with all those injuries that we listed above for the Celtics, so we'll keep an eye on that. On the Mavericks side, Andrew Bogut out until after the uh, All-Star break with a hamstring injury. J.J. Barea, calf injury, also out until All-Star break. Then Darren Williams, who seems to be the immortal guy on this list. We talk about him every single time. He's a game-time decision. He's missed the shoot-around. Uh, could mean that Yogi Ferrell gets another start. Um, now Ferrell's kind of getting priced to the range where you have to really consider if you want to use him. But Darren Williams, he's been out for a while now. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually interested to see what Farrell's price is. And, you know, Williams was back for what he was back for a game or two now. Um, so I wonder if it actually went down quite a bit. Well, I guess we'll, I mean, I'm actually going to talk about the, the Boston Celtics and Mavericks game a little bit later. So you can go ahead and look that up while we're doing this. But don't don't start taking away some of the talking points that <laughs> I had right, here. All right. Really, really critical injury, especially when I was talking earlier about the Warriors and Nuggets game being the highest uh, expected point total of the night. Zaza Pachulic, we know, is going to be out with a shoulder injury. He's missed the last six games. David West out with a thumb injury. The main injury, though, for the Warriors, Clay Thompson is out. That means that Ian Clark, Patrick McCall, or Andre Iguodala will put together some sort of mince with that. That's huge, I think, uh, because the Nuggets really haven't been one of the greatest teams stopping shooting guards. I think uh, Thompson's been one of the, the more effective shooting guard options in a very limited pool. This is a big injury, Ben. 
It is. It's huge. I, I don't think we really know who exactly they're planning on, you know, doling out those minutes to or who's who's going to start. So that's still up for debate. I, I think you're right about, you know, guys like Ian Clark, Patrick, Patrick McCaw. Um, Iguodala gets enough minutes as it is, so I don't know how much more he'll get. Um, so, yeah, I think one of those other two could play a pretty big factor tonight. One person we know that won't be filling in, Sean Livingston, will be out with a personal, uh, well, not personal injury. Actually, his his wife more of a personal injury. They had the birth of their <laughs> child. So, yay. So thanks congrats for, to them. Woohoo, Sean Livingston. But he will not be filling in for Clay Thompson. On the other side, looking at the Denver r- roster, we have Kenneth Farid out with an ankle injury. He'll miss his third straight game. Daniel Ganari uh, with the groin injury will be out through probably the All-Star break. We saw the kind of, I mean, pretty big st- trade on the whole landscape of the NBA and and a little bit of DFS purposes too. Mason Plumlee is expected to play after getting traded from Portland to Denver. Um, I don't know how many minutes he'll really take on. We'll see kind of what ends up happening with how Denver decides to structure their their lineup there, but it's encouraging to see that he's going to be out there. Yeah, it is. It's still probably a situation at this point you're going to want to avoid. Um, you never know with a guy that's just got traded there. He doesn't know the playbook. You don't know what kind of minutes or anything like that. So I'd avoid him for now. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting over the next few days to see what kind of minutes he gets, especially you know with Jokic there. And yeah, you know he goes from being the starter in in Portland to um, the backup here. So um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how he, he responds to that role. One of the better passing big men in all the league. Well, it'd be interesting to see how Plumlee fits in with that whole Nuggets. Um, lineup there but we have Wilson Chandler who's questionable play with an illness given all the injuries I just listed above for the Nuggets this could be a big deal if he does in fact play because he could see an extended amount of minutes against well what would probably be a a tougher lineup I'm expecting he would probably fill in as more of a power forward option or even small ball center kind of thing so Warriors like to do a lot of funky things Nuggets are going to have to match that if Chandler is healthy I'm expecting him to play and play quite a bit yeah, Chandler could could end up seeing you know high thirties in minutes. If you know, it, it sucks that he's coming off an illness, and that that worries me a little bit. Um, but yeah, if he, if he's cleared, no Fareed, no um, no Arthur, um, no guy in R, he's going to get big minutes on the on one of those power forward slots or one of the forward slots, yeah. I should say. Yeah, rounding out the Nuggets, pretty lengthy injury list. We have Gary Harris, who's probable he will likely start at shooting guard with that hamstring injury still. So we'll we'll kind of see if he'll be used often. Um, it, with with Clay Thompson out, he might be a guy that you could you could reasonably say that he'll put together a decent amount of Fanduel points. Then Emmanuel Mudiay will be doubtful with the back injury. He's missed the last four games. That means that the immortal Jameer Nelson probably and probably could start at point guard. So more more question marks, I think, with that whole Nuggets lineup. But against the Warriors team, you know they're going to be scoring. You know both teams are going to be scoring. So you might have to find a way to get them in your DFS lineups. Yeah, there's a lot of different lower lower tier options there that you're going to want to you want to take a look at and and if you do end up paying up elsewhere i think there's there's definitely a lot of chances in that specific line to to kind of pay down and make up for some of that you know get a little uh, price break yeah rounding out the last three games the 11 game slate we have chris paul obviously we know he's going to be out with a thumb injury probably still to late mid to late march that he'll actually make the return and then rodney hood for the jazz that's the clippers jazz matchup rodney hood will be out with a knee injury he's out till after the all-star break joe ingles is going to get the start again we have the pelicans phoenix suns matchup terrence jones game time decision with a thumb injury he's missed the last two games if he were to miss a third we're looking at Dante Cunningham for getting the start of power forward. And then we have Etuan Moore out, uh, well, not out, but game time decision with the personal um, development injury, whatever you want to call it here. It's undisclosed what he's been out for, but he's missed the last two games. And then looking at the Phoenix Suns side, we have Tyson Chandler with an ankle injury. He's a game time decision. Alex Len would probably start in his place, and that would likely open the door for a couple of different things for DFS owners to look at, but I guess we'll kind of go over that as we we go through this podcast a little bit more. Last match of the day, the the Hawks and Trailblazers, Tabo Savalosha will be out with a groin injury. He's missed the last seven games. Tim Hardaway will start again in his place, and he's really developed into one of the premier scoring shooting guard options, I think, in the NBA. So definitely a good thing for his DFS value. On the we have Festus Azili with a knee injury. He's out. Evan Turner with a hand injury, out likely out for the next five weeks or so. So and then we have the Nurkovic who just got traded over to the Trailblazers, unlikely to play again. Still kind of getting his feet wet, which means that Ed Davis will draw the start at center, and I think he might get more playing time as we see along. But you know. He hasn't really performed that well for the Nuggets before this trade, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of develops as a whole. Yeah, he's going to be you know thrust right into that center, uh, starting center spot most likely. So um, 
I think I think there's some potential for him to to be at least a serviceable replacement. I, I definitely don't expect him to be the um, guy that really takes over for them. You got Lillard and McCollum; they're going to do everything um, for the most part. But yeah, I think he could be a, a serviceable guy. That's a, you know a cheap DFS guy um, eventually. Normally, after we go through the injuries, we kind of talk about what games or, or game or games is the, kind of the biggest injury to to watch and take care of for DFS owners. We, we more or less did that as we were going through this, so we'll just go ahead and skip right ahead to that portion of our podcast. And I'll ask you, Ben, the next question that I had on the slate. We have a lot of games going on, 11 for Monday's uh, slate of games, seven guys over 10,000 price tag. If you're picking two of those guys, who would you pick? I think Anthony Davis is the most obvious pick here. Um, he's going up against the Suns, and that's always a matchup to target for DFS purposes. Um, the Pelicans actually did play the Suns about a week ago, too. Um, and Davis had 34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks, which ended up being 58 total FanDuel points. So, I mean, he's already shown what he can, what he can do with a matchup against you know someone like the Suns. Um, other than Davis, probably looking more towards Kevin Durant. He's got a pretty decent decent look against the Nuggets. We, we already mentioned that matchup. Um, you know, they're without Gallinari, Fareed, could also be without Durrell. Or they are out without Durrell Arthur as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, their front court's banged up. Durant should be able to... Um, you know, kind of take a, take advantage of that. You know, a blowout situation is something to consider. But I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hang my hat on that. I, I still feel comfortable using him, even in three quarters. I bet you Durant could put up a pretty, pretty big line uh, against the Nuggets. So. I think the the blowout concern is actually a lot more real than you're letting on. And I and I had initially when Clay Thompson had not been real, I still had three Warriors in my lineup, so I'm not concerned with it as well. But or I'm sorry, I should say that I'm still going with it anyway. Yeah, but yeah. It is a concern to me. I do think that coming off that Thunder game, and, and they put in so much energy, I think the Warriors team as a whole, to really decimate the Thunder and kind of put it, put them in their place, the Nuggets just aren't one of those teams that you have to worry about. So while they're probably going to score a lot, I, I would be concerned that maybe it's just the Warriors scoring, and, and by virtue of that, we might see a whole bunch of high-priced guys not have as much value as we'd be expecting for them. Again, I, I'm saying more towards the fact that I think that the Warriors will probably keep it close almost. I mean, they don't have to put as much energy into this game as they would other ones. So to me, I think it'll, it'll probably work out in the same way. But uh, I think I think the blowout potential is a lot more than you're letting on. Uh, yeah, I, I, you might be right. I, I still, like I said, even if, you know, these guys, no matter what, they're going to play through the third quarter. Like, they might, they may be pulled through in the fourth. And I, I really do think Durant against that front court um, could put up great numbers in just three quarters. And even even if the, the chance they do go four, um, I, I'm comfortable paying up for him. That's true. I mean, I, I agree with you. And if I had to answer my, my own question, um, I would probably have said Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant as well. I like both of those guys. I mean, you had discussed their matchup. I don't think the Suns are that good defensively, even with Tyson Chandler playing. And if he's out, well, that only helps Davis more. So, And, I, and again, I don't, I don't think the Nuggets are that good, almost to the fact that it could be a problem. So if I had to choose two players out of the 10,000 plus price tag, I'd choose them. Um, but since you mentioned them both, I just wanted to go ahead and point out John Wall. I, I don't really care for the statistics argument this time. I think that going against Russell Westbrook, um, because he, they play the Thunder, obviously, it's it's going to be a motivation thing for him. And Wall's been doing pretty good lately. Uh, you know, at 10500 his price tag, he's, he's one of the more elite tier point guards, but not the elite because we have Russell Westbrook sitting at like 12600 So, uh, I think that Wall is going to see this as a showcase game. I think it's going to push him a little bit more, a little more up-tempo, whether that means more shots, more assists, more even steals. I'm not positive. I just think that Wall might be able to put together, and I know that Russell Westbrook put in a lot of energy to that well to that loss to the Warriors, and, and he did really well. He had sixty over 60 Fando points, but he might be coming off just a bit of a downturn there. So I think I could see Wall end up doing pretty well against uh, a, a little bit more limited Russell Westbrook than we see most nights. Looks like, yeah, they played earlier um, pretty pretty close to the beginning, beginning of the season, and I think Wall put up 45 FanDuel points on the Thunder then. So, I mean, he's got, yeah, like you said, it's a showcase game for him. He's going up against one of the, the if the best, probably point guard in the I, I would say so, yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that could be a great play as well. I mean, all you're looking for is, well, I mean, I guess not all, but you're looking for 50 Fanduel points, five times the value at his 10,500 price tag. I think that if you're saying he did 45 early in the year when Westbrook might have been a little more rested, uh, coming off a little less of an emotional game is what he had last uh, right, this right. weekend, I think there's there's a chance for him to really do well with that price tag. So, 
Before we go on to the Rotowire Optimizer lineup, let's go ahead and give you our, uh, well, big read for baseball. Baseball is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim. Must be new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel in order to take the Rotowire prize. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. All right, let's go ahead and just break down the Rotowire Optimizer lineup. Again, you can go ahead and click on the daily tab on the Rotowire site, and you can go through this and search by FanDuel, by DraftKings, whatever it may be. We're searching through FanDuel because... Oh, it's a FanDuel NBA DFS podcast, Ben. So. <laughs> right. Here's the FanDuel optimizer lineup that RotoWire suggests. Point guard Russell Westbrook, maybe not a surprise. That's always a love of the RotoWire optimizer. He's going against the Wizards, and he's at 12,600, and he's in the RotoWire optimizer lineup. We have TJ McConnell, the most clutch point guard in the NBA, TJ McConnell going against the Bobcats. Multiple I game like winners. I like saying the Bobcats, apparently. <laughs> you even, you even <laughs> I run like it down. I love saying the Bobcats. No, going against the Hornets at 5,500. <laughs> Shooting guard Tony Allen going against the Nets. He's at 4,900. And Monta Ellis, kind of a small, small slate of shooting guard options. It appears going against the Spurs at 3,800. At small forward, we have Kevin Durant, the Nuggets, 10,100. And then Michael Beasley going against the Pistons at 4,300. This is, again, the optimizer suggested lineup. Anthony Davis going against the Suns, 11,100. Both two guys that you mentioned earlier that you liked at the high price tag. And then power forward Alex Len going against the Pelicans at 4,000. Rounding out the RotoWare Optimizer lineup is Allen Williams going against the Pelicans at 3,600. He's your center option. Ben, what's the strategy there, and what are you kind of taking away from the RotoWare Optimizer lineup? Yeah, it looks like they're going, you know, stars and scrubs. I'm not absolutely in love with it, but I definitely see the potential, at least for the strategy-wise. You know, it's it's not exactly what I'm using for mine. Um, you know, they got Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis as, as their stars. Um, but it is intriguing. I'll probably end up putting a couple lineups together for tonight's slate, and I think I'll probably do at least one where, you know, I go with three of those top seven guys. Um, but the, the, some of their lower guys, I think there may be a couple better options elsewhere. Um I think Alan Williams and, and Alex Len together, you know, due to the fact that Tyson Chandler's dealing with that ankle injury, that's where their value is coming from. Um, but yeah, if Chandler can't play, I'd personally probably pick one of the two rather than grab or yeah, rather than grab both. You know, there's not really, in my opinion, a, a high probability that you know, they're both going to have big nights. Yeah, I think it's a better choice to put all your eggs in one basket there right. and kind of, you know, choose a guy you think is going to have the best performance of the two and then, you know, go for him. Um, but yeah, and then obviously if Chandler plays as well, you're probably going to, for the most part, avoid the situation, um, as a whole. So that's something to keep in mind as well. I agree with you. I think that, I think it's impressive how the optimizer was able to get all three of those guys in there. I mean, those are three of the most high priced guys on the slate. It feels like, um, and each of them has pretty good matchups. Like, I mean, it's tough to deny playing Russell Westbrook any night. I get that. Um, I don't like to use him, but I understand when other people do, especially you, your boy. I Russell do. Westbrook. I do like using Westbrook. Um, so it was impressive to see that put together. But I agree with you in the sense that they could probably find a few different cheaper options to like. Um, I'm not really a fan of of Michael Beasley playing. I, I don't feel like the Bucks really are in much of a spot to be relying on veteran presence. I mean, unless they really believe they can make the playoffs. And honestly, as a fan, I hope they can. But I think they've really been struggling lately. So I would almost anticipate seeing them play more of their younger guys kind of figure out where john henson fits into the mix of this whole thing what can found maker do whether he plays small four power forward center what's what's going on there um and i i could see less minutes going to michael beasley in fact i honestly could see him being traded to a contender too i mean think about it. if you're being really frivolous about this he was a very cheap player that has played really well that you could flip for a better asset that you weren't weren't anticipating so in the grand scheme of things, maybe that's the route they take. Now, obviously, they're not going to make that trade today. So right. you could put Michael Beasley in your lineup. I'm just saying that I think that the minutes might might start to go away a little bit more, even with Jabari Parker out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of using Alex Lennon and Alan Williams. Agreed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with you there. I think one probably goes off, but, man, I'm not sure which one it is. I have yeah. a feeling I'm going to use – like I have a feeling it's Alex Len. I'm assuming Tyson Chandler is going out, but you're absolutely right in the assumption that if – Chandler's not out. Well, then that's two 
players that you can't use from your cheaper part when you're doing the Stars and Scrubs lineup. So I'm not a fan of using both of them. I think Alan Williams, while he did do well in one of those games, it was more of a one-hit wonder type of deal. I agree, yeah. Um, so I, if I had to choose one of those two, it's definitely Alex Len. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a double-double threat every time he gets those minutes. So I, I think, yeah, I agree. Alex Len's probably the more intriguing choice there for me. We've switched. I'm sorry. We've switched up the way we've done our lineups a few times. I think it's best to stick to the tried and true formula, at least for Monday's NBA DFS slate. This go around, Ben, go ahead and give me your point guard options, and we kind of riff off of that from there. Okay. Yeah, I'm going um, paying up a bit at point guard here. I'm going, you know, Eric Bledsoe, who's going up against the Pelicans. Um, I think we talked about that being the second highest over under in the night. Right. Um, so that's nice. He's at 8,400, and then uh, also Goran Dragic. Um, he's going up against the Magic, who you know struggled to defend anything anyway. Um, in there, <laughs> that's a joke that I make. You can't steal that from me. Come I've on, been around, I've been around you a little too much. Here that's lately. what it is. It's it really rubbing is. off on me. I, I agree with that. <laughs> no, so he's at eight thousand um, for Bledsoe. You know, he had a mini slump. Other than I think he had a decent game on Friday against the Bulls, and he had a pretty pretty bad slump before that. He shot like thirty four percent from the field or less in four straight games. Um, but like I said, yeah, he, he finally got things turned around Friday. Um, shot like 50% from the field, and he was held up for rest on Saturday. So I, I do like the fact that he's going to be on fresh legs. It looks like he's kind of jumped out of that, that mini slump he had. You know, um, It's got me intrigued. I already talked about the, um, the high over-under. You know, his salary was all the way up at 9700 at the end of January, and that, that slump kind of brought him all the way down. He's sitting at 8400 I think that's a, a nice buy-low opportunity for an elite guard. So that's why I'm kind of going with him tonight. And then, yeah, Dragic, he's kind of like the epitome of consistency. This yeah. guy hits, I think, he, what was it, 30 Fanduel points or more in 10 straight games now? That's, um, that's pretty darn consistent, yeah. Yeah, and I probably just jinxed it for sure. Um, <laughs> At least with your track record, yeah, I can right, see exactly. that happening. Um, but yeah, Deion Waiter's status is still up in the air, so he might have to take even more shots than, than usual. Um, it looks like he had 21 and 18 shots. Uh, field goal attempts in, in his last two games, respectively. Um, so it looks like he's playing a, a much bigger role offensively. Offensively, um, then yeah, when you add his potential assist numbers, very high floor. So I, I do like him. It's funny we've been doing this podcast for a little while now, and I do. You were joking a little bit before that uh, some of my phrases are coming off of you. I don't know about that necessarily, but I do know that how we are constructing our lineups are starting to get eerily similar <laughs> uh, because you are targeting guys that well, teams that have really struggled to defend certain spots. We're looking right. at the defense positioning tool on RotoWire, and that's kind of been my bread and butter when putting together lineups. And yeah. Of course, I see that the Magic and Trailblazers have allowed top 10 uh, point guard points or top 10 FanDuel points to point guards in the last five games. So that's something that I've been kind of strategizing and picking out. And yeah, of course, you're targeting that. So <laughs> absolutely, I feel it's just because I've done better than you in these in these FanDuel lineups. And that's kind of where we're getting this from, that you, you have to take some of my secrets. First off, you, you got like a, a one game lead on me. And no, maybe it's, a two, two. it's a two game now. See, two we, game we didn't now. talk about this earlier because there's a full asterisk on last week or last Wednesday's pod. Um, <laughs> I wasn't able to enter my lineup into an actual tournament. Um, the one that I had entered ended up not being closed. So I couldn't see my score to see how I actually did. I could go back and look, but again, I just got off the flight. I wasn't really prepared to go deep diving <laughs> onto our NBA podcast. So I'm assuming that I take the win on this. I think that's absolutely yeah, fair. He's, he's going with the assumption method here where, you know, if you don't know your lineup, you're taking the victory. I'm putting a huge asterisk on that, maybe two. I am five and three. That's how it is right now. That's all that matters to me. And I'm going to be six and three after Monday's podcast. No chance. Here. That's no what's chance. happening. Because you know why? We're starting TJ McConnell, the most clutch point guard in all of the NBA. In my DFS lineup, he's going against the Bobcats. The Bobcats. <laughs> Going against the Bobcats. You can tell I had no sleep, really. That's what this is. Yes. Going against the Hornets at $5,500 price tag. I love McConnell. I think we're talking about consistency's sake. And while he's probably not getting 40 to 45 Fanduel points, he's been kind of the heart and soul of the 76ers offense when Joel Embiid has not been playing. I like McConnell quite a bit to get around that 25 to 30 Fanduel point range. And I think that that's the very least you can go do against a Hornets team that really hasn't been that successful at defending the point guard spot. My other point guard option is Dennis Schroeder. And actually, you know what? This is a little counter to what I normally do. I'm going almost solely off reputation. We know the Trailblazers aren't that great defensively against the point guard and shooting guard spot. And while they actually are look, putting together pretty positive numbers, they've they've been right around that middle of the pack range throughout the season to allowing Fanduel points to point guards. At the same time, I think that Schroeder's one of the better uh, passing and scoring point guard options in the league. I don't think that Damian Lillard's going to be able to defend him that well. And I think that the Hawks as a whole are probably one of the better teams um, that the Trailblazers will face 
throughout the season. I think that he'll just take advantage of it. Call it more of a gut call if you want. Call it lack of sleep, and uh, I'm just going with whatever I want to at point guard options. <laughs> but at 6,900, I think Schroeder is actually going to be a decent enough option. Yeah, he's been a little inconsistent of late. You know, 27 Fanduel points, 48, 22, 38. So he's kind of going up and down. Um, so if that trend continues, it looks like you're hitting the right day. That's right. Um, that's what I'm shooting for. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think there's he's still decently cheap too. You know, 6900. That's that's not that's not horrible. And Honestly, I would like to see it a little lower. Right? Like yeah, if, you'd prefer if I was, mid to low 6000s. I think. Yeah, yeah, especially with the inconsistency swing that he's been doing. I, I like that's why I was going to point out that I would have been a lot more confident in this selection, even if he was $400 less. And I know that sounds silly because uh, I'm actually leaving 300 on the table for this lineup. Yeah. But even if it was 6,500 or 6,300, I can look at it and say, yeah, I, I feel very confident he's going to get at least 28, 29, 30 points. Um, here we're, we're asking more to get closer to the 34, 34 to 35 Fandle range. And while I don't think that Lillard is great defensively, crazier things have happened so right yeah and his, his numbers actually would be even higher you know he's had a bunch of turnovers lately so if he can cut those down i think um that 30 fanduel floor is decently um, achievable yeah i think you're probably asking too much from him <laughs> you might be right <laughs> <laughs> all right give me your shooting guard options all right so for shooting guard yeah i'm going with uh marcus smart we talked about the injury cell, uh, situation with the celtics um he is priced at 5900 going up against the mavericks um then i'm also going with evan fournier who is taking on the heat and he's also sitting in that 5,000 range at 5,400. Um, you know, going back to Smart, the Celtics, they got some issues. Um, no Avery Bradley. It looks like uh, Jalen Brown's out. Um, he started the last two games, uh, Smart has, I should say. And he's actually seen 30 or more minutes in seven of the last eight games. So he's getting a ton of minutes. The Celtics, I, I just think Smart's going to have to take on a bigger role again. You know, it's... He's he's been he's proved a lot lately that he can be a guy that they can rely on for um, some added help. Um, he's mostly been looking at upper twenties in regards to his Fanduel points, um, but he did have that forty-two Fanduel point outing on Thursday of last week. Um, so he still has potential to go off. Like it, it's not he's not stuck in that you know that that range where you can't. Um, let's just say he scores enough and has a decent uh, enough assist to to the point where he can get. I absolutely agree with you, and I, I he was one of those guys I was looking at initially, and then I saw that you had put him in your lineup, so I, I tried to deviate a little bit at least from that. So I think Smart's absolutely a good play, I and mean, even if you look at his twenty six point five Fandle point game against the Jazz last go around, um, Jazz we know have a really really good defense, almost historically good defense, and he was still able to put together twenty six points. I actually was watching that game because it was kind of on later in the night while I was doing other stuff. I'm a bit surprised by his three-point range. Uh, he's he's making more of them, and they're off the dribble, too. I think that's kind of the bigger deal, that you can use him more of a pick-and-roll situation, and he can start making those shots. You can't keep undercutting him on those screens. So I, I think that Smart's developing into one of the better players, and honestly, um, I think that the the injury to Avery Bradley might have been more beneficial to the Celtics than, than hurtful, because now we have Smart developing into basically a cheaper younger version of Avery Bradley and oh by the way Avery Bradley's already still pretty cheap and young where you could potentially deal him if you wanted to right right so I think that that deal works out at least for DFS purposes as well I think I think this is a good good enough spot for him to land for your lineup absolutely and, yeah and then uh yeah who are you going with for shooting well, guard for shooting guard so i mean i again i don't like paying up at shooting guard unless Giannis or james harden has a really good night so i'm paying down at the spot we're going with tim hardaway going against the trailblazers at 5700 um i don't i don't really care for T, uh, cj mccollum's defense either so going with damian lillard and cj mccollum's are do really poorly at stopping the the guard spots and then danny green going against the pacers at 3900 i had to find a cheap shooting guard option somewhere um, I didn't want to go cheap at point guard because I didn't think there was really just enough value there. Danny Green gets around 28 to 30 minutes a night. Um, that's pretty consistent. However, his Fanduel points have not been very consistent. That being said, the, the Pacers allow quite a bit of three points to shooting guards. So Danny Green, that's kind of like his, his bread and butter besides the defense thing. So I'm just going, well, you're getting 30 minutes a night. I'm hoping you're making three threes. And by there, I'm going to have that value right there. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Green. Um, but like you said, if you're getting minutes and you're at a, a near minimum salary, that's that's kind of what you're looking for when you're when you're paying way down. Um, so I do see that. And I have no gripe at all with Hardaway. Hardaway's been unbelievable. Um, you know, Cephalosha's still out. So he's still going to start get a, get a, the majority of those minutes there. Um, so, yeah, I... I'll probably have Hardaway in at least a few lineups tonight myself. Yeah, I think he's I think he's a fantastic option, and I just the Pacers also going back to the Danny Green thing. The Pacers allow almost a top ten uh, amount of three pointers to shooting guards at two point nine. That's what they're averaging this season. So I'm just assuming that Danny Green's going to be able to knock down a few of them tonight. And at thirty nine hundred, you know you're not expecting too much from him. He adds enough 
in different categories where I feel pretty confident saying that if I had to find a cheap option, he's getting the minutes, I'll use him. It's yeah, fine. Right. Who do you have at small forward now? Small forward, I'm going to old trusty Marcus Morris. I do use him quite a bit. I, Why do you call it old trusty? I love I've Marcus Morris. I've never heard Morris. anyone say that in my entire life. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I like that mid-5,000s price. He's like Ersan Ilyasova, these type of guys that yeah. have that potential yeah. to go off on any night. And they're, but they're still like, they're, they're inconsistent. So they, their price doesn't really rise. So I, I love using Marcus Morris. Um, at the start of February, I think he had three straight games with 46, 35, and 33 Fandle points. Um, so yeah, he's shown what he can do when he heats up, and uh, I'm kind of betting on him against the Bucks. The Bucks are, I believe, the second they give up the second most Fanduel points to small forwards on the season, um, only behind the Nets. Yeah, and that's that's not surprising that the Nets are up there. Um, so yeah, I think this is as good a, good of time as ever to actually you know get Morris in there. Who's the other small forward option? And then I'm also going. I'm paying way down for Joe Ingles. Um, he's kind of my pump play for uh, for today's slate. Near minimum salary, thirty eight hundred. Um, but I think there's some upside there. He's logged 30 and 41 minutes in each of the last two games. So like we said with Green, he gets the minutes. And if mm-hmm. you're paying down, that's kind of what you're looking for there. Um, yeah. No, I, I get that. And honestly, if I didn't feel really in love with my two small forward options, I would try to find more cheaper places there. But the only reason I went with Green is that I just I didn't like many of the shooting guard options that were there. So I'm looking at a smaller place, small price guy that's playing a lot. And that's kind of what you're looking at with Joe Ingles. Yeah, yep. um, and I think that's, that's, that's definitely a good option. At small forward for me, we've talked about quite a bit. I'm going with Kevin Durant going against the Nuggets at 10,100. I don't really think I need to go over that too much more. I think he's going right. to be a fantastic play. And for one of my higher price guys, I think it's all going to work out. However, I do like this play quite a bit. Gordon Hayward at 8,100 going against the Clippers. He's my second power forward option. You talked about the Bucks allowing the second most FanDuel points to small forwards. Well, the Clippers allow the fourth most FanDuel points, and they've been con- pretty consistently bad at it too lately. They've allowed 42.8 points the last five games. Um, I-, I just think that they really don't have that defense there, and I'm not really worried about Joe Ingles stopping Gordon Hayward. Right, right. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a low-scoring game, um, but at the same time, I think Hayward's providing most of the points because he's not having to try try to drive to the basket and get around Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan, he can get his points all over the floor. So yeah, I feel really good about Gordon Hayward at 8,100. Yeah, it looks like he had 30 or more points in four of his last five games. So, I mean, he's he's just chucking, and they're going down. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding out my uh, power forward option here, I have Anthony Davis at 11,100. Again, not really a guy I feel like we need to discuss too much more because we've talked about him quite a bit early in the podcast. On the other end, other end of that, I'm going with Alex Len at 4,000 going against the Pelicans. We discussed earlier, based off the optimizer, we thought that either Alan Williams or Alex Len was going to be the guy that goes off. Again, keep in mind that this is based off of if Tyson Chandler is ruled out. If Tyson Chandler plays, well, I'm definitely going to have to configure my lineup, and the listeners should as well, because I don't think Alex Len will put together nearly the type of value you're looking at. But and frankly, I just don't think the Pelicans are that good defensively, even with Anthony Davis there. And I, I think Len will at least get rebounds and probably points too, because he's one of the better scoring guys when he gets a chance to score yeah the pelicans it looks like they're top five for points given up to centers so and and like we said before alex len is is a double double threat on any given night he's he's shown when he gets time in the past that he can put up some numbers so i do like that definitely over alan williams who was also yeah um listed in the road aware optimizer. right right yeah so yeah i definitely push for him if if chandler's out i know you're starting anthony davis at your power forward spot who is the other power forward that you're looking at our boy Frank, the tank. Uh, yeah, no, Cody's always going to miss another game, so Kaminsky's going to run with the starters again. Uh, it's been more than solid in recent games. Actually had 20 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks on Saturday, which was kind of his best performance of the year. Um, that was against the Clippers. Uh, 43 FanDuel points there. So, yeah, he's, he's proven he can be a coveted multi-category guy there. Um, still only 4,800, so very cheap. Going up against a Sixer center situation without Embiid, Okafor, um, obviously, Nerland's new well is still there, and he's kind of a good defender, but um, I'm still comfortable using Kaminsky. If you, so if you hadn't had him in your lineup, I would have definitely put him in there. I like that, too. And I think that he, along with Alex Len, honestly, is one of those guys that I wish they would be listed as the center spot so that you could use a little more versatility when putting yeah, these together yeah. because there, there are quite a few guys that are at the power forward spot that are playing Monday that are well, actually playing center. So it, it makes you have to to really pick and choose which ones you liked. Um, obviously, I think Frank the Tank's going to be a good option. I'm right on board with you there. Uh, just couldn't go with it because you had him in there. Like. <laughs> now, where are you going center-wise? <sighs> Rounding out my lineup is my Buddy Heald lock of the night. Uh-oh. It's Dwayne Dedman. Yes, I am busting out the Buddy Heald lock of the night. He's going against the Pacers, and he's at 4400 his price tag. Yes, 
He's a cheaper center option. Yes, he doesn't score that much, but yes, he rebounds and he rebounds really, really, really well. <laughs> um, he's a, they actually, the Pacers allow the third most rebounds to all centers, so I think Deadman's probably going to be one of those guys that you can definitely count on to give you certain base of points. He's gotten 47 rebounds over the last four games. It's 47 rebounds over the last four games. He doesn't even play all that frequently. That's the crazy part about it. So I think that when he's playing, anything you're getting points-wise and blocks-wise, that's his bonus uh, with the rebounds that he's accumulating and the Pacers allowing so much rebounding. Um, I think Deadman's easy, 4400 price. He's my buddy healed lock of the night. After that intro, man, I'm so excited about him myself that I might pick him up. <laughs> no, but yeah, like you, you did mention the good point there with the rebounds. Like he gets so many rebounds that um, that keeps his value up even when he doesn't score. Um, you know, he struggled to just 15 Fanduel points. Uh, it looks like yesterday, um, but before they had 40 and 29. So yeah, he's he's already have shown he can be a double double threat guy and uh, decent. Decent values. Even, That's why even he's if he the buddy score. healed lock of the night, not the Russell Westbrook lock of the night. <laughs> we have to try and pick some undervalued guys that are probably going to do really well because they're awesome. Fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> All right. Who's your center for your lineup yet? And I'm actually, for center, I'm going with Dwight Howard. He's sitting at 6,800 against the Trailblazers. Um, another another buy low candidate for me here at 6,800. He was up in the 8,000s, actually. Um, I think to open the season, he was right around yeah. there. And then he, he was like a steady mid to low 7,000s. Um, in the month of January. Um, so, yeah, he's all the way down to 6,000. 6, Jesus, can't talk. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't help to jump on that. You know, consistency on the boards, like we said with Deadman, um, decent floor, um, double-digit boards in 10 of the last 11 games. So, um, He's yeah. basically Deadman on steroids. That's kind of how I'm thinking of him right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And you add that to a great matchup against Portland. Um, they just shipped out Plumlee. Nurkic probably isn't playing. They're going to have to start Ed Davis. So I think Howard's just going to have a field day um, against him. So I, I really do like that play, especially, you know, the buy low attempt as well. I think the 6,800 price definitely makes it a lot more intriguing, especially considering what Howard, can, you know, he can do on, on the rebounding end and even on the defense end too. I think that's absolutely a good play. Um, but I can't change my buddy. He'll lock the night. <laughs> it's just not happening. Can't, can't, just can't, can't do, it. do it. Can't do it. Well, that does it for us in the Monday NBA DFS podcast. Make sure to come back and listen again Wednesday as we discuss the slate that goes on then. Um, ben, where can the people find you at on Twitter? You can get me at BenManDoingWork. Still the best Twitter handle in RotoWire. And you can follow me at JBFantasySports.com. Again, that does it for us for the Monday NBA DFS slate. Good luck to everyone. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.